this Friday, February the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, America alleges a Russian plot and the Winter Olympics begin. First, the world in brief. Officials at the White House said that Russia had planned to stage and film a false attack against Russian territory or ethnic Russians in Ukraine as a pretext to invade the country. The Biden administration described elaborate plans for the fabricated assault, complete with imitation Ukrainian military equipment. It said it hoped that making public such propaganda plans would, quote, dissuade Russia from seeing them through. The Winter Olympics in Beijing kicked off amid COVID-19 concerns and political tensions. There were 21 new COVID cases reported among participants and personnel on Thursday. Several countries' diplomats will be boycotting the Games, including Friday's opening ceremony, because of China's human rights abuses. A spokesman said, quote, All of this so-called boycott banter will be extinguished once the Olympic flame is lit. India's official COVID-19 death toll hit 500,000, though many observers, including the Economist's excess deaths tracker, believe the true number to be much higher, obscured by inaccurate surveys and undercounting in remote areas. A study published in Science, a journal, estimated that the country saw 3 million COVID deaths by mid-2021, fuelled by a devastating wave of the Delta variant. The government denies this. Wall Street had a bleak Thursday, with the S&P 500 falling by 2.4% in its worst trading session in nearly a year. The Nasdaq Composite shed 3.4%. Shares in Meta, Facebook's parent company, plunged by 26% after its revenue forecast undershot expectations, shaving $230 billion from its market capitalization. It was not all grim news, however. Amazon cheered investors when it said net sales in the fourth quarter of 2021 grew by 9% year-over-year to $137.4 billion. Its shares rose by about 14% after hours. President Joe Biden announced that Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qureshi, the leader of the militant group Islamic State, died during an American raid. 13 civilians, including children, reportedly died during the raid, which occurred in Syria's Idlib province. IS named the previously unknown Mr. Qureshi as its head in 2019, days after Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, its former leader, was killed in a similar mission. Four aides of Boris Johnson, Britain's beleaguered Prime Minister, stood down. Mr. Johnson has been mired in allegations about parties in Downing Street when the country was in Covid lockdown. One of the aides cited a different cause for her resignation, Mr Johnson's unsubstantiated claim that Sir Keir Starmer, the opposition leader, had failed, when chief prosecutor, to pursue a prominent paedophile. Canada said it would not deploy troops to disperse protests over a COVID-19 mandate. For nearly a week, more than 200 trucks and vehicles have been blocking roads in Ottawa, the capital. The protesters are unhappy with a new law that requires unvaccinated truckers returning from America to quarantine. More demonstrations are planned in Toronto and Quebec City later this week. 
And fact of the day. 4. The number of successful coups that Guinea-Bissau has suffered since gaining independence from Portugal in 1974. And now here's today's agenda. Paytm and India's great digital push. Paytm, India's leading digital wallet platform, made a disappointing debut on the stock market last year. Investors felt the company was overvalued. Its shares fell sharply thereafter. But help is at hand. The share price rose by 6% on Tuesday after the finance minister, Nirmala Sitaraman, declared that the Reserve Bank of India would soon introduce a central bank digital currency. This bodes well for Paytm, which reports quarterly results on Friday. Goldman Sachs, an investment bank, expects the company to post a 70% rise in revenues in the fourth quarter compared with a year ago. Under the government's scheme, public sector banks will set up 75 digital banking units in the boondocks to speed up the adoption of digital payments. Demand is clearly there. Last month, the volume of transactions on Unified Payments Interface, an interbank money transfer system, was 4.6 billion, 3.7 times more than in March 2020, when the pandemic struck. For Paytm, which benefits from the speedy adoption of UPI, it's a welcome break in an otherwise bumpy ride. Faster, higher, stranger. Pre-competition jitters are normal at any Olympic Games, even for veteran athletes and experienced hosts. But as the 2022 Winter Games open in Beijing on Friday, there is more to be nervous about than usual. COVID-19 is still rampant in much of the world, and athletes threat that a positive test result will dash their Olympic dreams before competition even begins. China fears its, quote, zero-Covid strategy, costly but so far effective, will be undone by the influx of thousands of foreigners. To prevent that, China has sealed all Olympic venues, events and personnel inside a, quote, closed loop of dedicated vehicles and fenced-in buildings. In recent days, 31 new cases have been detected daily inside the loop on average, most of them asymptomatic and non-serious. Fear that critics might speak out about China's oppressive domestic policies and how the country's leaders might react have ratcheted up the tension further. Campaign Kicks in Florida The Florida chapter of the Federalist Society, a conservative group, starts its annual conference on Friday. Some prominent speakers are attending, including former Vice President Mike Pence, and the Sunshine State's governor, Ron DeSantis. Mr. DeSantis is on a campaign kick. He is running for re-election this November and eyeing a bid for the White House in 2024. He is using Florida's legislative session, which ends in March, to raise his profile nationally, with proposals that include the creation of a special police force to combat election fraud. These ideas demonstrate two political themes. One is the unity between Mr. DeSantis and the Republican state leadership. Although Florida is a purple state, its leaders are almost exclusively Republican. Democrats have little power. Second, 
Mr. DeSantis is betting that veering to the right will help rally his base without alienating moderates. Voters will tell him in November whether his gamble pays off. A warm embrace in Beijing Since the early weeks of the pandemic, China's president, Xi Jinping, has shunned in-person diplomacy. But on Friday, he is making an exception for Vladimir Putin. The Russian president is in Beijing to attend the opening of the Winter Olympics. Mr Xi will give him a warm welcome, with no harsh words about the Russian menace to Ukraine. China is grateful for his presence. America and some of its allies decided not to send official representatives to the Games in protest against China's persecution of the Uyghurs and other human rights abuses. Mr Putin hopes that his friendship with China will help his country cope with pressure from the West. The two countries may soon agree on a new gas pipeline from Siberia to China. That would allow Russia to send gas either way, to Europe or to its best friend. More galactic mayhem in Moonfall The quote, master of disaster is back. Roland Emmerich, the German filmmaker behind Independence Day, released in 1996, and The Day After Tomorrow from 2004, releases his latest panic-inducing offering, Moonfall, on Friday in America and Britain. A mysterious force has knocked the moon from its orbit and sent it hurtling towards Earth, creating tidal waves and general havoc. Cue a team of heroic astronauts to step in and save the day. Early reviews have been mixed. Nonetheless, apocalyptic space disaster films often pull in the punters. Don't Look Up broke Netflix's viewing records when it was released in December, and in 2016, Mr Emmerich's sequel to Independence Day raked in nearly $400 million at the box office. Perhaps it's the voyeuristic thrill of a glimpse into a darker reality. Perhaps it's a perverse enjoyment in watching famous landmarks and cities crumble from the safety of a cinema seat. Whatever. Pass the popcorn. Winter Quiz. The winners of week 8. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Okyo 1, Seoul, South Korea, North America, Cavita Meta, Rancho Santa Margarita, USA, Central and South America, Emilio J. Ferreira, Buenos Aires, Argentina, Africa, Rob Blair, Harawe, Zimbabwe, Europe, Nina Lara Bajak, Maribor, Slovenia. They all gave the correct answers of Peppercorn, Tartar, Alfredo de Stefano, and Worcestershire, all of which are the names of or give their names to sources. Thus ends our quiz, but it won't be gone for too long. Stay tuned. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Betty Friedan, who was born on this day in 1921 and died on this day in 2006. It is easier to live through someone else than to become complete yourself. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. 
You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. And now here's...